Welcome, guys, to the MMOs.com podcast. This is number 96, and this is Altai, joined this week by... Omer. Gumble. Matt. Shirelia. Oh, yeah. Full we house. got the whole crew here this week. We're back We're back on regular schedule, so good stuff. And as I always, Go ahead. You didn't ruin it, Shu. You're here. You're back for good. And for good. You're stuck. The stuck. You're with us forever now. Right, yeah, you guys don't actually know about this, but like after the podcast, I get chained up and thrown into a closet. Phew, <laughs> you're not supposed to talk about that. I escaped last time. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll pull you back on your meds so you forget. <laughs> wow. All right, take it, Gumby. We got a good weekly raid this time. We do, but we're going to recap last week uh, because I just want to... Uh, we had quite a few comments. Last week, we asked, should MMORPGs have an in-game voice chat? I did say in the article that it was not going to replace text. I think some people didn't read the article or listen. But uh, most people agree it should be an optional add-on. Uh, one person did make a very interesting point, uh, Drake. And he basically said that if there's voice chat in-game, it might uh, become an expectation that people will use it in a group setting. And he doesn't like revealing who he is through his voice. And I can perfectly understand that. I'm not sure if it would become a necessity for people. I don't know if most people who would play a game like an MMORPG have a mic to begin with or feel comfortable using one. But uh, I, I guess based statistically on all of our comments, uh, developers, you're goofing by not having an optional in-game VoIP. So get on that. But you know, you know said that? Go ahead. She said that as well. She said that as well. That was the first That's right. Sure, you did say that, right? But if it's optional, right? Um, if it's optional, there's still a text box, you know, it's just optional. Then you can just listen to people, you know, people's dogs barking and maracas going off and people playing Biggie real loud. But, you know, that's fun. But this week, we're talking about leadership. We live in a world with many leaders, qualified or otherwise. And we're going to talk about leaders in MMOs and MMORPGs, mainly MMORPGs. I'm curious what you guys think about this. Uh, do the leadership skills of, say, a guild leader or an ops leader or a commander, natural selection too, do those translate into everyday life? Is the person running a massive 200-person guild uh, more likely to end up in a leadership position in, say, a job somewhere or maybe a management position or they're the head um, or they're, they're a, bur a burlesque madam? I don't know. Uh, or is it that MMOs give certain people the social space needed to... Uh, assume those powers or, or maybe because you're in an MMO and you're behind a computer, you're more likely to become a leader. So what I'm really getting at is, is leadership something that carries over from games or is it maybe something that some people only feel they have in a game world? Mm -hmm. And what you guys think about, I know I've run a guild before. Uh, I don't know if you guys have, uh, but I want to hear your thoughts. I have some first-hand experience on this. So <clears throat> I just believe it's completely different because when you're behind the screen, it it you feel a lot more safe. Like I seem really outgoing and stuff online, but actually in person, I'm really kind of like muted and scared of people. So I think that would pose a problem in general for people. Like like a lot of people can kind of get out of their shells, you know. Yeah, that it definitely. Here's what I can say: there might be innate leadership skills in people that they can never express in real life, so they express it online. Um, for me, honestly, the best I've done is run small groups, right? 
So I, so the guild leader management level where you run like 100 plus, 50 plus, I've never done personally. I don't know. Gumble, have you? How big was your guild? I think like 30 people. So it wasn't huge or anything. That and, you know, so eventually much. it, it kind of got whittled down. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, I'm not really uh, a leader leader. Like I don't take charge. I kind of let the, things happen. The reluctant, so. <laughs> the reluctant leader. Yeah, like I don't, I don't like telling people what to do. So um, actually, what we did was in my guild in Final Fantasy, a friend of mine both ran the guild, and we recruited somebody, and we basically said, "Okay, now you do everything." And then we just what? enjoyed, the, we just enjoyed, the, and he organized the raids, and he he got all did all the work, and he would always he would we made the decisions. We were like a council, but we would watch him wow. do all the work. So that's my leadership style. I take the you're the boardroom the passionate guy. person. You're the boardroom guy. Yeah, yeah, you find a I'm the boardroom guy. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. I like it. All right, All right. I've got to All right, go ahead. There's, there's actually a really good quote from a Harvard Business Review. It says, the best sign that someone is qualified to run an internet startup may not be an MBA degree, but a level 70 guild leader status, according to the latest wow. issue of Harvard what? Business Review. Damn. Look at that. Wasn't there, wasn't there recently like that story about the guy that actually put his guild experience and WoW on his resume? And got I think that job? was Eve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Eve? Was it Eve? But yeah, you yeah. know what I'm talking about, right? Yep, yep. I, mean, I was looking for that article. I couldn't find it, but he got the job because he managed this huge corp and it was a managerial position and he explained it to the hire and it, it saw, he sold himself with it. So I thought that was pretty cool. Wow. <laughs> I mean, see, but the fact that he sold himself on it just kind of shows that he also had like, mm -hmm. life skills, right? Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. So, I, mean, I, I don't think it's it, it will always it will always convert. But if you already have like the <coughs> people's skills to begin with, I mean, it's good experience, right? You have to deal with, you know, cutting your losses, like managing people. Drama. Drama, yeah. But I mean, like, one of the hardest decisions for, like, a guild a guild leader or a raid leader is to, like, cut people that are just not pulling yeah. their weight, right? Like, mm -hmm. I've had to do that. It's not pleasant. Especially no. when... Really? Especially I love that. I love, I love kicking people. <laughs> dude, it was my friend. I, I had to tell him. I was just like, dude, like, we can't beat this with you. I'm sorry. And I, I just, you're out. Have you guys seen the movie? Sorry. Have you guys seen that movie up in the? What's it called? I think it's called Up in the Air with Clooney. I like that movie. He gets hired to fire people. Yeah, yeah. Yo, that is my dream job. <laughs> Wait, what? What is this movie about? It's a great movie. So companies hire this guy, who uh -huh. basically he sits down with employees who are going to get fired, and he fires them because the boss is too pussy to do it himself. <laughs> Wait, really? So like, oh, we, uh, so they hire an outside consultant, and then the consultant decides to fire you because the boss is too pussy to do it. So he just flies around firing people. That's his job. <laughs> oh, but but he pretends like it's his decision. Like, yeah, like, like, like oh, oh, I analyze, yeah. I analyze your workplace, and yeah, this yeah. Is the... yeah, exactly, exactly. So it's a way to deflect. <laughs> nice. I would actually wager almost anything. If there's a study out there or somebody does a study eventually that the guild leaders in top guilds or big guilds and pretty much any MRPG, the people that run those guilds, I would wager they out-earn the average uh, or the median earnings. They'll make more money. They'll be in more leadership positions. I was actually kind of Googling this. There's a guy who uh, was a really top-end guild manager in World of Warcraft back in 2005. He got a senior position at, uh, at Yahoo as one of the executives. He was talking about his experience in WoW and how it helps him you know, with his job and how he qualifies to be a leader. So, uh, and this is one example of a guy who makes a lot of money now because it's not, it's not that he, because he ran a guild, but because running a guild has all those skills you guys talked about. And I hope in the future, somebody can gather the data and look at the earnings of top guild managers and guild, you know, founders and how much that translates directly to, uh, you know, the high you know, real life earnings, real life value. That'd be really cool. 
I, I would agree with you. I would, I would probably take the same hypothesis, but it would have to be for the, you know, top dog guilds. Yeah, right? yeah. anything that's, anything that's basically like almost like a competitive guild or uh, world first kind of stuff. Because mm -hmm. there's a certain level of discipline and um, and understanding other people's personalities as well uh, that goes into it. You guys don't know there was an ambassador that played Eve Online. Uh, he was sadly killed. He got blown uh, up a couple years ago. Libya, yeah. no, never forget. Yeah. But he played. He was a big Eve Online player. Um, wow. There was. I think there's still memorial in the game for him. I think not just guild leadership. I mean, <clears throat> obviously, any any game skills do carry over. I mean, mm -hmm. these aren't direct one to one comparisons. You know, you could be great at a game, but you could suck at your job. You know, but it does kind of set a bar for your hand eye coordination, some form of discipline to be able to get to your skill level, and. It, you know, leadership, though, is, I think, a much more valuable commodity, much more valuable skill than hand-eye coordination. You could be like a top 1% <clears throat> CSGO player, but still not be a good employee anywhere because, yeah, you got great hand-eye coordination, but that doesn't mean anything. But if you have leadership skills, management skills, interacting with other players, you know, that's that's a real monetizable skill, much more so than anything else. So that's probably the most valuable of gaming skills. All right. I have a totally somewhat related uh, tangent here. Do you think in the, in the future games like you know like Eve or these large scale games, or can be used to kind of tease out people's skills and make them more confident? So for example, like imagine you know you're you kind of like a runty kid, right? The socially awkward runt kid, but in a, in, a, in like Eve or WoW, you thrive as that guild leader, right? And that gives mm -hmm. you the confidence you need because like what she was saying, you might be good at the game, but you might not be confident or whatever social in real life. But part of you know doing well in social reactions or situations is being confident. And that's that's why like tall people get paid more and stuff because by being by the merit of being tall they just feel more confident. If the short guy felt confident, he you know he'd be fine. He'd, he'd be the same. So maybe your performance in CS:GO or being top rank or whatever will make you more confident in real life. Mm -hmm. Or or do you think it doesn't translate? No. No. I think it does. I think because it, it translates, but it's not it's not always like a, I guess one to one translation, right? It's like mm -hmm. it, it depends on. The other factors i guess it, i it, think for a lot of them as soon as their face gets shown it's gonna be like it's just all gonna fall apart uh, i think today you're right because gaming is still is still i'd say niche in a way like <clears throat> if, if, if someone walks up to me and be like oh, i'm like number you know 12 in in uh guardians of ember or whatever some bullshit game i never heard of i i, I don't care but if, if it's something everyone kind of knows in, in the culture uh it'll work no i mean i'm it's not just about, you know, being nervous or falls apart. I mean, I think it builds self-confidence a lot. Because mm -hmm. let's, let's, you know, let's look at gamers like in college, for example. If you're a college student, you don't really have too many accomplishments under your belt, right? You, you, you're a college student, right? You, you're kind of working towards getting a great job, working your degree. You're in that position where, you, you know, you really haven't done too much in life just yet. But so you don't really have the self-confidence at that point, right? But if, let's say, you're a top, you're, you know, you're global elite in Counter-Strike Go, your top 100 in League of Legends or any of these big games that kind of, you know, a lot of your peers and people around you know, right? It gives you the confidence, like, that you, you can do something, right? You have something under your belt. You know, you have, you have this accomplishment that other people don't have. And that alone makes you more confident in other aspects of life. There's no way it doesn't because it's something for you to hold on to. You know, it's your trophy. And I, I don't think these, these kids really weigh their, maybe if they got, like, first place in the debate team in high school, nobody gives a shit, right? But if they have something that they've earned, they feel like they've earned, it makes them more confident overall. And I think that will kind of open up more like opportunities for them or they'll take more initiative on certain things. So can we use no, games, I think that's fair. Can we use games in the future to kind of tease out those kind of talents? I think so. Uh, I, I, hope I think so. it's great for society. You know, I mean, obviously not everyone's gonna be able to feel that merit because it's only, you know, 
by nature of being top 10%. Only 10% of people can get there. But it will, you know, bring out those talents for some people, maybe maybe find them easier to recruit or something. Hell, I mean, this is a really odd example, but kind of transitions too. Did did American Army actually recruit people that, that played that game? You like, know, there I, was a recruitment option in it. Like, did it ever measure your scores or anything? I never followed up. I did. I did read that. Yes, it did recruit some people, but to what degree? And if it was a career yeah. or just a kind of enlisted soldiers, I don't know. They will see more stuff like that. Maybe where like, I think your gaming skill and accomplishments will be more than just within the game. It'll almost be like a, either not necessarily a recruitment tool. Again, I don't think being good at a game at all is going to help. It, it's like and it's directly transferable to a real life skill, unless it's leadership. But it does give you the confidence to do something else, or maybe you can somehow use that in a different facet of life. And kind of, it, it'll help you some other way indirectly. You know what you're saying? We already see, or we've been seeing it in a lot of fiction. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a Chinese book that came out not too long ago called The Three Body Problem, and in that book, the main character plays basically what's an MMORPG and it weeds out who's basically allowed in this society. So I think, you know, really? seeing things cool. in fiction, uh, you know, it, I think eventually, yeah, we will see it. It'll be a bit, but I, I don't see why not. Um, it's just that again, I think everyone was saying, I think games, it's not, maybe they're not, they're not taboo anymore, but the, the research is still, you know, it's still nascent, you know, it's not, there's no robust studies yet, so I think of in a couple of years, by the end of the century, yeah, you'll be able. People will start having personality exams from playing World of Warcraft. So, well, it's pretty cool. So, if you guys want to leave your own uh, ideas about leadership and games and how your own experiences, maybe running a guild, please let us know in the post. I'm going to link it again. And anybody have any other fun anecdotes about maybe like telling like in terms of guild management, kind of firing your friends or telling your friends to get good? I know she told us she had trouble and she had to uh, tell one of her friends that you know you suck, you you can't be in this party anymore. Any of you guys have any examples like that? <laughs> yeah. In Final <laughs> Fantasy, there was this guy who joined us on the first day, and we were trying to do like uh, the I forget what the levels were called. There was basically the expert, mm -hmm. uh, one of the expert titans, or it was Titan. And he was a PS3 controller or a player, so eventually oh, we ended up shit. we just ended up shouldering him. <laughs> we, none of us wanted to confront him, so we just like didn't invite him, and uh, <laughs> and it was kind of a fucked up thing to do because uh, you know the night of the raid he was ready to go, and we're like, oh, you're not coming because you can't dodge the <laughs> attacks. <laughs> Needless to say, he quit the guild next day, so uh, you know. But it, sometimes it's tough to confront people, especially when they're a friend or you've known them for a while. And so you do the fucked up thing and you just kind of hope, ignore it and hope the problem goes away. And of course it doesn't. So uh, you should just confront your your issues as a guild leader and not put them to the side. Well, that, that kind of brings up a silly anecdote. We actually had the cable guy over here the other day. And he, because um, we were having trouble with our cable modem, we, we had to end up getting a new one. He, he did all the tests. Everything was fine. So we had to get a new modem. And he was telling us about like how he plays MMOs because he saw like our, our setup with all, all the monitors, the webcams. He's like, you guys do you know, Twitch streaming, you guys play games or something. And he talks about World of Warcraft. He plays WoW, and he plays WoW with his wife. You know, he introduces his wife to the game, and he's kind of like, oh man, I'm always playing with my guild, but they're always such such shitters. Basically, he's like, my wife always has like 300k DPS, and everyone's at like a million k, you know, a million damage, and his wife's only at 300,000, and like, oh no. Six, She's really bad at the game, and like she's really sad about it. But like, you know, we can't ever clear stuff because you know my guild sucks. You know, my wife's not very good at the game. But like, he's like, I'm doing all these heroic dungeons with pickup groups, but I can't do it with my own guild. So like, it's really frustrating. <laughs> oh no! 
the moral of the story is that uh, I don't know. Can't be. Uh, it's not always great playing with your significant other. There you go. Uh, my takeaway <laughs> from that story was actually, uh, you know, here we always shit on like games like WoW or MRPGs in general because they got too easy now. But mm-hmm. but think about it this way: the the wife is ha- was having trouble with the current game, right? So imagine somebody like her, uh, Vanilla would be literally inaccessible, like zero, like you can't get through the gate, you know? So mm-hmm. maybe they made the right choice, you know, in terms of figuring out who this game is supposed to be targeted for. Well, you just can't do endgame content. I still don't think Vanilla is anywhere near as hard as you guys make it out to be. It is. Matt, yes. You can't really compare it to modern games because maybe on the high end of a lot of games, it's still difficult and it is difficult. But the, even the early game and mid game, like some of those dungeons, you'd wipe in all the time. Like Nomer on those, some of those mob pulls are yeah. bullshit. Okay, but just because dungeons are hard doesn't mean it's inaccessible. Well, we can no, let me. Maybe, maybe maybe we can have a whole conversation about this another time. I don't want to get too derailed I, here. I want I'll, I want to lead this to another topic uh, and connect it real quick. So, for example, I think games in general have been going towards you know more accessibility. And one good example mm-hmm. of that, for me at least, I don't know if you guys will agree, is Overwatch versus Lawbreakers. We had a chance to play Lawbreakers um, this weekend. It was on a closed beta. And, you know, when I first played Overwatch, I, I felt powerful. I felt like I was getting kills. I was doing things, right? When I played mm-hmm. uh, Lawbreakers, which is another shooter. I've been playing shooters since, you know, Unreal, Quake. So I, I'm not like a, I'm not a noob when it comes to shooters. I just felt, like, underpowered. Like, not because the game, not because my character was underpowered, but because, like, Everything was moving so f- much faster than Overwatch. You know, I was dying over and over again. You know, I, I think once or twice I had a positive KDA. That was it, you know? I think you need to get good. Because <laughs> yeah, when, <we played, laughs> when we played it outside of the stream, I was wrecking it. And I, you ain't much older than me. No, I'm not <laughs> saying... get good. That's a, model. That, that's a takeaway. I haven't so... figured out the new meta and the gunslinger keeps wrecking me. But when I played before, I was almost always positive. I think we learned something today, no, boys. No, hold up, hold up. Did <laughs> you... <laughs> Is it the consensus that uh, am I the only one who just felt less like I was doing? Le- I was less impactful than I was in like Overwatch. I'll I tell felt you why. more impactful in uh, Lawbreakers. Yeah, I, I kind of agree so with Matt on this one. Sometimes oh it doesn't feel like you're doing much because you're dying really fast. Yeah, I feel like I kept dying really quick. No one else felt this. That doesn't mean you're not right. impactful. It just All means right. the other people are more impactful. <laughs> so I haven't actually played this. Um, do you feel like it's? Trying to go more hardcore. Yes. Overwatch. Uh, okay. I don't like the word hardcore. I don't like the word hardcore. I don't like the word hardcore. But <laughs> okay, okay. They're going a little bit more like it's like difficult. It's a traditional shooter where if you're bad, you'll just die ten times without getting any any <laughs> yeah, impact. That's fair. Where in Overwatch, if you're like right. if you're like uh, Mercy or Zarya, you know you can shield people. You can kind of like you know space people without being a great shooter, right? But in, well, that's okay. That's different then. But in lawbreakers, oh, yeah, they're different games for yeah, sure. In lawbreakers, <laughs> if you're bad, you're literally zero. Like you're, 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 you're <laughs> like you have no impact. You have no. And you can't contribute shit. You, yeah, you contribute zero if you're bad in lawbreakers to your team. Okay, here's how I can explain it. Have you played Warsaw before? The open source kind of quake-like game with the bouncing around. Nope. Nope. Oh shit. Okay. I mean, you, we you guys know quake. tribes. Okay. What about tribes? Yeah. You guys have all. Yeah, we tribes. play tribes. Okay. So in tribes, if you don't know how to ski, you're fucked. Like the entire oh, yeah. game revolves around knowing how to use the mobility to your advantage and how to ski right, how to glide right through the air with your jetpack. Um, 
in Lawbreakers, knowing how to take advantage of the zero gravity and take advantage of your class's unique mobility skills is, like, key to survival. I mean, you, you, aiming is important, especially if you're, like, the gunslinger, but in Lawbreakers, it really is important to nail down mobility the same way as, like, Tribes or Warsaw. And that's where the high skill cap comes from. It's, it's not necessarily a higher skill cap. I think it's a higher skill floor. I think somebody's in the chat yeah. mentioned that as a yeah. good term for floor. it because there is a certain point where if you're bad, you just you just can't contribute. Whereas in Overwatch, you can. Even bad players that don't know what they're doing, they can't aim, they can contribute by playing, you know, maybe Lucio or Mercy. I'm not saying they're going to play those heroes well, but they can contribute more than if they had to be a, a hero that actually aims. Lucio. Lucio's still top pick, I think, competitive, so I, I would never do that. <laughs> Lucio's my main or was when I played. I, mean, I don't know about you guys, but I personally like that though because really? like it's really it's really hard to get started. But the moment that you really get started, you, you feel like a badass. You know what I mean from the very like get go of when right. like all clicks and you have the mobility down and you're jumping around and just killing people at a fast pace. That's what I really liked about tribes and like when I really nailed down like the arc of fire for like all the weapons and I was killing people as I'm gliding straight over them at like a hundred miles an hour. That's, that's the moment that it was fun. But here's the problem with that. Um, you're feeling like a badass at the expense of the people who haven't nailed it down. So uh, one game I always go back to, cause I had personal experience with it. This happening. It's a uh, savage too. Uh, I played it a lot. My brother played it a lot. We loved it. It was fun. It was, you know, you basically a MOBA, uh, no, basically a shooter fighter and RTS combined kind of like, uh, Gumble, you can think of natural selection natural too. Selection so when my favorite FPS. So when I, I had a family gathering of people who were gamers, uh, my uncle who got me into MMORPGs, my brother and I, with Ultima Online, Dorky Chikama, and he cousins was, and stuff. Yeah, and our cousins who played, you know, um, Game Boy consoles, you know, GameCube, all that stuff, Counter Strike. Um, their score after an hour of playing Savage Two was zero and like thirty, all of them down the line. And so imagine sitting down someone whose last gaming experience was, you know, casual, like a console, like. Right? If you sit them down for Overwatch, they'll feel like they're doing something. They're contributing. They're having fun. Even yes. if they lose. If you sit them in front of Lawbreakers or Tribes, right? They're dead. They're just dead. They respawn. They're dead. They respawn. They're dead. They respawn. They're dead. And that's it. They, 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 I have a question for you, Aaron. Yeah. Okay, but uh, why? Why is this an issue? Because I mean, to me, like, I, I don't think that's too much of a problem as long as though the developers understand they're going for a specific audience. It's like, um, yeah. but they want I wouldn't put someone in front of. That, that's I'm not thinking about money right now. I'm what? just thinking about in terms of game design. I know that you factor everything through money, but let's just think about who their intended audience is. They're capitalizing on like the hardcore. Or they're trying to capitalize on the hardcore arena shooter FPS audience, and that's why I think they need deathmatch. But they're not trying to appeal to everyone, which is what Overwatch does extremely well. And so I don't understand. I don't see. I don't see a problem. Will Lawbreakers be successful? That's a different question. I'd say. I but for the no. game for the gameplay alone, I, I don't think it's an issue at all. I actually I, I enjoyed it a lot when it was working, uh, which it did so, not for I mean, our stream a lot. It's right. also the extreme opposite of what Omer was going on about last week with the whole Overwatch rankings, where it it always pushes you to do better. Whether or not you accept that challenge is on you, but it will always push you to try and do better. And I have I one more example. Like I've been playing a lot of natural selection too, right? Natural Selection 2 is, you know, I would imagine by all of our agreed definitions here is, is you know, it's not a dead game, but it doesn't, it's never going to rebound, I don't think. Yes. And you got like 300 people online, but I played it, I had a shit ton of fun because it's all the veterans that are left. And whether or not the game lives uh, with its design decisions, I don't know, but because all the people that played knew what they were doing, uh, I had the best games I I've had 
you know, every single game I had was great. So, um, you know, there's a, there's a very niche audience for that game. There always has been, but it works. And I'm fine with it. If they had made it more casual friendly, I would hate the game. I wouldn't want to play it. That game's really fun. I fucking love natural selection too. I, I, Cursing I had, a lot I had the same problem though, where like I would I joined the game and nobody was playing. It's yeah, there's a, there's a there's it's a good couple servers now. Also, I should mention, and I think one of the reasons that you know your example kind of holds true, but it's not actually going to hold water when the game launches, is the player base. When we played closed beta, was like 300, and you need a, you needed a key to get into the uh, alpha slash closed beta. So we're playing in a very small pool of players. And you talk about the drop-off rate on the first day of closed beta was about 1,700. And a couple of days later when we played, it fell to 300. Mm-hmm. So the only people that were still playing were people that were kind of already into Lawbreakers. All the casuals went out the door, at least in the closed beta, right? So, mm-hmm. we're playing right, right. so we're, we were playing amongst people that actually really liked the game that were probably already playing way more. Oh, than that was our problem. <laughs> and, and, and there was no matchmaking to, to really account for the smaller player base. And in order to get a nice, balanced game, whether it's you know Lawbreakers or Overwatch, you need a big player base. I mean, when people when, when those casuals play Overwatch, if they get dropped to a diamond game, they're going to feel pretty useless. But if they get dropped to a game around their skill level, they'll be fine. And you won't get your shit tossed in Lawbreakers if you're playing with people your skill level. Okay. It, I mean, it's it's hard, hard to pick up, too. Sure, sure. It, so we'll find that out soon. This was the first test. They're going to have several others before release, um, which is expected later this year. So mm-hmm. we will see. Um, we will see how it happens there. Deathmatch, please. For the love of God, Deathmatch. <laughs> So I think we should talk about what we played uh, since we're already talking about Lawbreakers. Mm-hmm. And um, we actually have a, a slightly, it's not really a new segment, but uh, we have an article now that hopefully we'll do each week where we just kind of elaborate on what we've been playing, MMO and non-MMO alike, uh, to help kind of speed up the process and also share with you guys what we've been playing. We want to hear from you guys what you've been playing. So I don't know if anyone wants to start. I, let's, we'll go down the list right here in the right. order I got your paragraphs. So, Omer, what have you been playing this past week? I just got back into League of Legends. Uh, first time playing in a long time. I think I skipped two seasons of playing. where I, like, That's like, I guess, a year and a half or so, where I really just haven't played the game a lot. I maybe played like 10, 15 games then. But I've been playing a little bit more lately. Uh, mostly with people on Discord, some friends on there. It's been a lot of fun to play with them. Um, I finished my, my placement in Overwatch. I'm about 3,100 rating right now. And I've been playing a bit more Revelation, uh, mainly because I'm doing my dailies. But I noticed that I had a fun experience in Revelation, which is kind of struck me back to Rose online days because you can have personal shops in Revelation. And what I did was I went to the auction house and bought the hematites in the auction house for 1,900 coins each, which is one of the crafting resources to upgrade your gear. And I sold it in my personal shop for 4,250. I would name my personal shop like cheapest hematites, you know, like to make people think it's got the best deals. And what's crazy is I sold so many of these, you know, people would, keep buying them for me because they didn't realize they could buy in the auction house for cheaper. This is really just a flaw of game design because the, the only <laughs> person that would ever buy that is people that didn't know the auction house existed. And I sold a lot. And, I, and back in Rose Online days, I used to do this all the time. I, I'd go into newbie areas and be like, I'm buying all the loot from you. And people could actually sell stuff to your personal vendor. And I would, I would offer to buy every drop from every NPC for one gold. And people would flood their loot to me because they think I'm off. And I say best prices paid. And they would never actually look at the price I paid. They would just sell everything to me for one. And I would take that stuff for one, <laughs> and I would sell it to the NPC for like 200. Literally, I would, I would merge it to the NPC, which because there was no vendor NPCs in the beginner areas. So I would take advantage of that difference. Been playing a little bit of FF14 as well. Just hopped on for the first time uh, in a while. I haven't played in a couple of weeks. And reconnected with some, uh, some free company members. So that goes back to the social elements of MMORPGs. I think some of the most fun I had in FF14 and continue to have is interacting with you know free company members, is people I meet in game. 
they kind of had a bit of that this week. Oh, thank you. Erhan, what have you been playing? So, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Gumball and I started playing Path of Exile. And for me, it rekindled uh, my, uh, my passion for the game, my love of the game. So, while he dropped off quickly, I, I continued to grind off, you know, as fast as I could. You went ahead. I went ahead. I don't know. It's my fault. I, I, I couldn't wait another week to play it again. Maybe I should make a new character. Maybe I'll do that with you. Um, so, I've been playing that. I beat Merciless, which is like, you know, just like Diablo, there's three difficulties. So, I finished uh, Act 4 on the hardest difficulty. I'm doing some you know, low-level maps right now. Uh, my character's coming along. I struggled for a bit. But, yeah, it's coming along. Um, and I really recommend the game, I gotta say. It's a new expansion coming out in a couple months. Maybe you should wait for that, though, if you're not super interested. Uh, it's going to add more uh, acts. So we'll have a total of 10 acts, and they're going to get rid of the difficulty. So you don't have to beat the game three times with the same story, like you do with Diablo 2 and 3 and Path of Exile currently. Um... If you are a fan of Diablo 2, if you want a more complicated game than uh, Diablo 3, you got to play Path of Exile. It, th- there's literally an infinite number of builds and skill combinations and gear. Like, it really, it really uh, gets that itch you know, for old-school action RPGs. And uh, besides that, on my phone, when I'm like before bed or when I'm on the shitter, I play Fire Emblem still. I don't know why. I just clear those special maps Nintendo ads for the three orbs. Uh, that's what I've been doing. Wow. Well, uh, Matt, I know, Matt, you might have been a little sick, but what have you been playing in your spare time? Well, I, uh, I started Rain World on stream on Friday, I think it was, and that game is really damn good. The art style is just phenomenal. It's got, yeah, it like, cool. this physics-based nature to it where you jump around and you actually have to rely on the physics, and... Because it's physics-based, they have kind of like this procedural animation going on, and you don't see the arms usually when you're just walking back and forth. It looks like a straight-up-and-down animal. But as soon as you grab onto something, like the arms just like hang off from wherever you're at, and they kind of pull themselves up. It's, it's really cool to watch. Um, it's very, very hard, though. That game is insane. And they even have like what I equate to like the old-school like NES arcade-style games or like Metroidvanias, where they have these... I guess I'll call them poles that you can climb up. And some of them are actually plants that will pull you into like a pipe and kill you. Mm. And it's insane. So um, I've been having a lot of fun with that. Cat uh, and I started Sticks Shards of Darkness and we're playing it on the second hardest difficulty, I think. And in co-op, it takes half your health every time one of the players respawns. So um, you, you really get drained like immediately. And also... What was it? Oh, you have to restart the entire level in co-op because it doesn't have quick saving in mid-level. So we have to restart the same level over and over because <laughs> I keep fucking up. <laughs> it's, it's like almost always my fault. But um, So I've been playing that. And I got back into arcade game emulation and I learned about this whole other side of arcade emulation for like modern games. And there are even like online systems that replace the online... Um, elements that they had in the actual arcades and these are all games that never came out of japan for the most part so it's nice to know that i can actually play them here because we don't have arcades let alone arcades that import japanese games let alone arcades that import japanese games and have the online system set up so i can actually play them like fully featured if i get this shit set up but in my search through these arcade games i learned this fun fact about 
like the I'll, I'll call it the anti-tamper mechanism for uh, arcade games, since some of them work on what I'm pretty sure is some sort of um, I'm pretty sure it's some like distribution of Windows that some of them are running on. So what'll happen is when someone dumps the uh, the recovery disk, I think it's called, for these arcade games, when they first put them up, you can't just run them. Because if you run them, they will delete your entire hard drive as an anti-tamper mechanism. That's and awesome. If I'm learning that, I was like, holy shit, I gotta be careful. I gotta read all these threads to make sure that these games have been cracked by now. But yeah, I've been having fun with that shit. Good. Shirelia, I'm putting you on the spot. I know you didn't know about this. I didn't want to tell you. So have you been playing anything in particular this past week that you would like to share? Um, I've been mostly been playing Zelda and mobile games like Sword Art Online, <gasps> um, Fire Emblem Heroes, and Shadowverse. Still going with Shadowverse. Don't they have an expansion coming out? Uh, yeah, soon? I don't like the current. The current one's pretty uh, bad. Like the, the current uh, expansion's pretty bad. They're coming out with a new one. Let's see. I'll give a quick rundown of the news of those games. Uh, so, new expansion coming out there. Uh, Sora Online released uh, two new banners. So, there's new characters it's the Shadow banner and the Alicization banner. And then on Fire Emblem Heroes, they added um, a, a new. Um, new characters. I don't really recall where they're from, but um, there's really, really good odds right now for uh, S uh, SSR character because uh, four of the rate-ups are, are white orbs. So if you want to roll, now's a good time to try to get five stars if you roll uh, white. Other than that, I've been playing a little bit of Overwatch and Atlas Reactor. I mean, yep. Somebody just said she was a casual girl gamer playing Zelda and phone games. <laughs> <laughs> I've been pretty casual lately. It's all right. It's all right. Casual is taking over, guys. It's all gonna be about phones. The future. I, yeah. I like left the podcast and like I went into my cocoon and I came out as a casual game. <laughs> <laughs> now you're casual. You must be exiled. I, I played. I played. I played Overwatch like last night with Omer. Right. Yeah, we lost. Right? We lost one. We we tied one. <laughs> yeah, whose fault was it that we lost though? I DC'd oh. once. I DC for the first time in forever. <laughs> really? Oh. I DC for like, and I, I I lost this round. Yeah, but um, yeah, that that pretty much, pretty fun. Are we going to E three on there? Someone's asking. Probably not. Uh, no. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> And I'm going to wrap up oh. this segment. I've been playing a whole bunch of Nier Automata, a word I have not been able to pronounce once until just now. Uh, it might be my favorite game of the year, and it's only March. I'm loving it. I think I like it more than Zelda, which says a lot. And I'm going to flesh out all my points in a little review at some point. Uh, it's a great game. Uh, really surprised. Um, two B's butts, 10 out of 10. Uh, but yeah, it's a wonderful game. It's different. It's idiosyncratic. It's got great combat. It's got a fun story. They make little nods at Sartre and make fun of them. I love it. It's my game. Uh, and I'm glad it's doing really well. I want to play all the other games made by the same director. So I've been obsessed about that. I plan to beat it and get all the endings. Uh, and um, it's been really refreshing. It's refreshingly unique. Well, like Take it. that, sure Atlas Reactor. What kind of game is that? I've seen that being streamed a lot. Uh, I, never I would call it, I guess, uh, I guess, an action RPG, because um, you have levels and it has, you know, it has an active combat system. You're running around. Uh, 
it's it's hard to describe totally because it kind of blends a couple of genres and the way the camera angle moves changes up how you play the game every now and then and it keeps it really interesting i guess it's kind of like devil may cry the way you string combos together um it's it's it doesn't really fit any particular label except i guess for the rpg label and for it definitely caters to anime fans and i don't consider myself one but everything else just shines through um i i recommend if you like these kinds of games if you watch a trailer for it and you like it then i think it's totally worth it or you know just get a discount somewhere i don't know where you'd get a discount on the internet but you know um yeah, Real quick, though, Gobi, look at that badge of honor. I don't consider myself an anime fan. By the way, just throwing that out there, guys. Well, I, I mean, I guess I don't. I, <laughs> but that's the thing. I think the game, when you first look at it, the reason why I said that, right? And uh, I don't, I wasn't saying that to like defend myself or anything. But when you first look at it, I think it, it's like people might misinterpret what kind of crowd it's appealing to. But it, it, it's definitely a game for anybody who appreciates RPGs. That's always the only reason why I said it. <laughs> But maybe I'm guilty. I don't know. Maybe that was some subconscious thing coming out. Shoo, you called me out, man. I did. Uh, I look like an asshole. <laughs> All right, guys. I got. I got to take this. I got an email uh, the other night about a new game coming out called uh, Heroes of Glory Ridge. It's actually embargoed, so I can't even talk about this. But I give zero fucks about their embargo because these guys give no fucks about copyrights or intellectual property at all. And the reason being is that the game is like some MOBA slash hero builder, right? But look at this wonderful character in the game. All right, who does this remind you of? He's called Keen, the Deadly Duo. Check this guy out. He's he's got to be inspired from somewhere, huh? Where could they have taken this guy from? <laughs> he is literally Alchemist yeah. from Dota 2. The yep. exact same art. Like you can't ask for the embargo your news art and your news and, and when when you're just copy pasting art from other games and stealing their characters. Like and you lose that that privilege of asking for me not to put your stuff out, right? And if you're upset about this, frankly, I don't care because it's, it's probably gonna be a Duke game anyway. But it's just funny that so many of these Chinese—I I don't even know if this is Chinese, but if I'm get—I'm I'm, gonna guess it's a Chinese studio that did this. They copied uh, the, what's his name, Rexar as well, the Beastmaster. But the only thing they actually changed is one character that actually changed, which I think was a, a massive improvement. They copied Crystal Maiden as well, but they named it the Ice Maiden, and look what they did. They turned her into a lolly. <laughs> Check this out. Where is this? I can't see it. it should be on the, I put it on the podcast chat. It's lagged. They turned her into an ice maiden. Clearly an improvement. That's an improvement that they, they made her that a lolly. That is an improvement. That right? is an improvement. That's the only thing I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to commend about these guys. All right? They copy the characters, their names and whatever, but they made, they made this How one How dare you lolly. not respect? How dare you not respect their embargo woman? How dare you? <laughs> no F's given, right? <laughs> But I do like the upgrade. And it's a massive improvement on Crystal Maiden, though. She was uh, way better in the lolly form. I agree. This is definitely way cuter. Do they have the same art in-game? Like, do they have any screenshots of that? Uh, if you look at this, I think it's on the Google Play Store. You want to link that. But it's it, the game does not look very good. It's just another one of those, you know, I guess, Clash, Royale, Clash of Clans slash Game of War style games with some, like, these heroes in it. So the in-game art isn't stolen. It's just more stealing the uh, promotional art. I, I I haven't seen all the in-game art, but yeah, if I'm scrolling through here, I'm not seeing any of those being used in-game. But it just it's just so silly. Again, I'm I'm gonna guess it's a Chinese studio. I don't know for sure. I, I just checked. It is a Chinese studio. Okay, confirmed. 
But I just find it that so many of these companies just, just blatantly take all the art all the time. Yeah, I think it was Undefeated Legend, the one I did a video for, <laughs> that, um, what was it? They stole, I think, a piece of key art from Vindictus, is what somebody in the comments said. <laughs> Pretty funny. Yeah, fun stuff. Do you know what my favorite news of the, the week is this week? Mm. Well, it see. has to do with an armed force of the United States. something A little something called the Navy. And the Navy wants to make an MMO to combat the singularity. Have you heard about this? I Wait, know what? Do you know what the singularity is? Anybody? It's a, a point in time where technology increases so rapidly and exponentially that it kind of it gets out of human control. So... Everyone seems to have their own interpretation. Ray Kurzweil thinks it's Utopia. Other people, Doomsdayers, think it's AI run amok. Uh, so the Navy wants to combat it by recruiting people on the internet, the smartest people in the world, <laughs> to help them combat the singularity. The Somebody people. tricked the Navy to get a big grant, and now they are on an island somewhere while uh, this bullshit. I, I don't have a link to it. I don't know, Aaron, if you were able to pull one up. I got it, yeah. Uh, um, it's it's as emoji. as the Excel sheet says that we have. It's nonsense, <laughs> and this isn't the first time uh, we talked about it earlier. This isn't the first time the military has kind of engaged gamers. I think America's Army did a great job, though. Uh, this is just silly. I don't know what the. I think someone. I think oh, some bureaucrat got. They tripped. had um, they had like an arcade style game with they um. It was. I think they were testing AI for like a drone or something, like an underwater drone or something, mm -hmm. and they had players go up against it, basically. Yeah, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, the Navy's. But they're basically trying to do is look. They're saying like the technology. Some people claim technology is getting better, faster and faster, right? And eventually, this will lead to like <laughs> things like AI, and then the AI will get so good that it'll improve itself over and over again, right? So, right. So how does the how does the Navy think we can uh, deal with this? Uh, potential situation. Well, why not recruit a bunch of people online? <laughs> Basically, it's not even. Like, they, they call. No. Okay, look. Here's the here's the thing they use the acronym M M O W G L I, which apparently we got a new genre here, boys. We got a new genre. It means massively multi terrible. Massively multiplayer online war game leveraging the internet. <laughs> okay, I have a I have a hard and fast rule. You can't have acronyms more than four letters. Well, you guys <laughs> are missing the bigger point here. They want to combat technology that remakes itself and improves itself yeah. over and over yeah. with Using technology, technology that doesn't <laughs> remake itself and improve itself. Like, how are you supposed to combat it when we don't even know what this technology looks like? Gather information on what could yeah. happen? Like, this yeah. is way too premature. They're, they're gathering the smartest people in the world. The random people on the internet are literally going to solve this problem. the smartest people in the world, but they're not going to know what this technology is going to look like if it ever exists. The, the collective might of internet retards can solve everything, all right? Come on. Come on. <laughs> you know that? Can, can, guys, can you imagine, like, the military just, like, making a post on 4chan? Like, we have this problem, guys, with uh, self-replicating robots. What do we do? There's just this giant, like, shit post. <laughs> no, but the, but the okay, funny thing is, okay. that's, what that, that's what they're doing, basically. This is not really that a cool? game. That quote looks like a quote from a lost Tom Clancy novel. The uh, quote that's in the article. Uh, it really does. Wait, where? Okay, I'll read it out. All right. Technology has advanced to the point that we can see the singularity on the horizon. What we can't see yet is what lies over that horizon. That's where we need help from players. 
This is a complex, <laughs> open-ended problem. So we're looking for people from all walks of life, Navy, non-Navy, technologists, non-technologists, to help us design our Navy for a post-singularity world. Would you yeah, consider see, yourself a technologist or a non-technologist? I am. I'm a technomancer. <laughs> right, that's what I am. I'm a technomancer. I'm making my own terms while, while we're here. No, we all identify as a Navy, okay? That's <laughs> the real thing here. I'm a warship. I'm, I'm a non-Navy, please. I'm, I'm a frigate. You want to fight? <laughs> I think, Can I be a tugboat? I think we should unload the broadside against the singularity. That'll, that'll teach uh, Skynet. I just... I, just, I, I want to fund them researching whether any of this data will actually matter. Like, use the no. internet to decide whether all this data will even matter. They would have I... more luck hiring a factory of monkeys, slapping on a keyboard, and they'd get more results that way than that they're going to get from this stupid Guys, project. Guys, I, I already solved this. I already solved this, okay? Go, give us the answer. You give all the AI Samsung batteries, all right? Done. <laughs> <laughs> they self-replicate themselves into disaster. <laughs> I want to clarify exactly what this is, all right? They're calling it an MMO WGLI. They're calling it a, an MMO, right? But from my understanding, <laughs> this seems to be like an online browser game where you kind of log in and you just like talk in a chat room about these future problems. Are I don't it's think it's an actual game. But what's crazy is like they hired this PhD to talk about this, make these charts. I have no doubt that Navy has already spent millions of dollars doing literally nothing. This, this money is just evaporating. This is like the, a complete boondoggle. Like, I guess we hear in the, in the news all the time, like fraud and waste in government, right? But like, it doesn't really affect us too much directly. But from the gamer perspective, it's just weird to see this as like, this is just an obvious boondoggle. And when people play and see what it is, they're going to realize how much of a boondoggle it is. Because it's going to be a, this chat room where everyone on the internet just comes together, whoever, whatever trolls from the internet come together and troll them by talking about future problems. Like, nothing will come out of this. You know There's what that no sounds way. like? Anything will happen. It sounds like a Navy Kickstarter. <laughs> they're, they're trying to sell their idea on Kickstarter. <laughs> oh, Mary, you're missing the point that it could just be that the Navy is really bad at designing UIs. I think it should be just a chat room slash discussion well, kind of thing. Uh, we're going to find out next week because this is a timed, yeah. this is a timed endeavor. Uh, I linked a, a sign-up page. It starts on the 27th, uh, so do sign up before that, guys. We can start about this. We do an MMOs.com like troll session. I'm signing up right now. Okay, everyone sign up on a month. I think it's Monday. What's right? my interest? Oh, I want I, to stop I, the singularity. Is yeah, we that got, really an option? We got it. We got it. We you got have to. You have to put it in. Hi. Oh my god. We're gonna sounds... we're gonna we're gonna troll this. Right? We're gonna side with the robots. Okay, guys. So we gotta troll okay, the other like players. I'm, I'm game. I'm fine with that. Okay, that's our roll. Right. I want to mention. Oh. I want to mention that uh, we got we got a twenty dollar donation from uh, Mr. Fester. Thank you so much. He says, oh, Skynet. Sky. <laughs> Skynet. We're gonna help Skynet. Yeah, we should live. Week. We should live stream us trolling uh, the Navy. Yeah. I am 100. I'm actually. Game. I'm an accelerationist. I want to make the singularity happen. I want to doom humanity faster. Yeah. So anything I can do to do that. Accelerationist. That's a real thing, we, by the way. Gotta, gotta go fast. <laughs> gotta go you fast. Got it's Sonic's political party. So did you guys realize that like they're trying to do this really grand thing? And I mean, look at the name, like MMOWGLI. It just sounds terrible. Like. <laughs> Just, and what's with the, the W? Like, it just looks bad. It looks like someone made that in paint. It should have but, made it MMOGY. This... But it literally makes no sense. It stands for Massive Multiplayer Online War Game Leveraging the Internet. Why do you have to say leveraging the internet? Wait, boys, the first boys. three letters is MMO. Is terrible. Isn't Mowgli the main character from the Jungle Book? <laughs> Mowgli. Yeah. Is, is, is that why? <laughs> oh my god, Illuminati. <laughs> it's Mowgli, you're right. 
What did you guys put for? What is your interest in maritime singularity? Fighting the singularity. Like, what is the point of the W looking like that? It's that's the singularity. It's points of data. It's the internet. That's what you ever you ever see a picture of the internet? It's a bunch of tubes and points of data. It looks like it came off of like a children's book. All right, all right, guys. I got got another opening question. All right, Gumble, Gumble. All right. Go ahead. So say say that these robots did. You know they are attacking like they're right. And they said they said you gumble. We will turn you into a robot to defect against humanity. Would you do it? Yeah, deal. Done. <laughs> Me too. Turn you into a robot. <laughs> well, an android, I guess. I'd yeah, be an android. android. You'd be like the major. Dude, they're gonna. Oh, okay, that's fine. They're gonna betray you though. Let's kill you after. No, no. I, I'd be like I would be the major. They ain't gonna kill me. All right. Listen. Who, I, I put a great reason for one of the joining the maritime singularity. I, I feel like What's I'm going to get to this beta and you guys aren't. You know why? Is, I put in my, my answer that uh, what is your interest? I said, I'm a machine learning AI programmer with a unique perspective on the singularity and advanced AI system. <laughs> You're an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> you, should, you should say you're from the future. <laughs> yeah, I'm from the future. <laughs> <laughs> this is our only oh, chance man. to stop the singularity. Okay, so th- we're actually time travelers. Like I said, back to the... now. Are you gonna write in John Connor as your name? <laughs> Yo, this is, is Ray Kurzweil like the final boss of this thing? <laughs> yeah. That's gonna be uh, what's it, J- John Teeter? John Teeter, yeah, we put John, John Teeter. <laughs> I hope it's open. Well, I guess we should uh, we should probably get back to some actual game news. This is, is pretty this silly. Is uh, please sign up, though. We we will be returning to this because this is probably the best news of the year uh, for 2017. Mm-hmm. And we'll see where it goes. Uh, there are a few games that might not be going anywhere this year. Uh, one of them being Pathfinder Online, which had some big news recently. Uh, Pathfinder, if you don't know, uh, and actually I don't know, so I shouldn't even be saying this. But anyway, it's an MMR. RPG that's been in development for quite a while, and the CEO of Goblin Works, the acting CEO, recently said that they will have the game done by the end of the year. But correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that the team working on the game is actually just the CEO and two people. Yeah. So, this, quite, this, quite a burden. This is the most hilarious thing, okay? And the reason that this is hilarious is because this game failed, like, big time to be developed, and they had an actual team. It was run by Ryan Dancy, who you guys may know from something or other. I don't know. All I know is that nope. his name has Dance in it, um, and he has um, some sort of experience in game development, right? So he, they failed, and, like, the company, like, ran out of money, basically. Goblin Works ran out of money. And when that happened, they let, like, everyone go, and acting C- or the CEO of Paizo, which makes Pathfinder, the original mm-hmm. like pen and paper RPG, took over as acting CEO of Goblins Works. And that's Lisa Stevens, who's still um, in control right now. And they've, for the past year, basically, they've had different people looking at their game like, please take this game, please take this game, someone else develop our game for us, please take mm-hmm. this game, please find someone to take this game for us. And um, after, most recently, there was an agent that said they don't think that any large MMO companies would be willing to put large sums of money into finishing the game. No, well, you think, I mean, look at it right now. It failed already. And they had Mm. money behind it. And so now they're going to finish the game with a team of two people and the CEO, which, based on the fact that they've made this timeline within a year, 
I don't think the CEO knows that much about video game development, specifically, specifically MMO development, right? Hmm. So, and what they're doing to make it sound okay is they're going to be more of an indie MMO aiming at providing a fun and engaging game from, to a niche market. Okay, that, that's all well and good. You know, do whatever you want, call it whatever you want, try, make yourself feel better somehow, right? It's not AAA anymore, it's indie, yeah. we're okay. But hmm. here are some of the things that they think they're going to get done in a year with two people. They're <laughs> going to improve the AI. They're going to make more meaningful territorial control, whatever the fuck that means. They're going to add a full storyline for new players. They're going to add a premium item that can either be converted into game time or used to improve crafting or refining output. They're going to make an entire player housing system. You know, that thing that not even actual AAA games want to take on most of the time. They're going to make upgrades for settlement structures, enchanting, and for some reason, for some reason, they have decided that they're going to make a Pathfinder core rulebook based on the MMO. Because they are anything alike at all. Yeah, the, the, only, no, place, I, the only place I know Pathfinder from is like their existing, uh, you know, what do you call it? D20, Roll20? Yeah, yeah, pen and paper stuff. They're basically like a fork of D&D. Um, when 4th edition came out, people didn't like that. <laughs> so people went to Pathfinder. Did you guys know they raised over a million dollars on Kickstarter? No. Yes, I did know that. The people that you know, and they said this, this we need, they they got their goal, so they they couldn't plan around their own goal either. And now we're gonna believe that they're gonna get the game done with two people in a year. No chance. No chance. It's not gonna happen. All that money is gone. Yeah, this money's all burnt away. Obviously, there's nothing left. They they just budgeted based on what Paizo has, based on what the original D twenty company has. They are. Currently budgeting out a year for two people and the CEO of Paizo to sit around and oversee it, basically. I, feel like I, I would love to be the CEO of two people. You, know, you, you get paid a salary to just do what? <laughs> to look over no, two she, people. No, right. she's not getting paid a salary to do that. She's also the CEO of Paizo, so she okay, is okay, the owner of whoever's that's paying that. Mm-hmm. That's fair. So, but yeah, I just... Okay, the, the, the... Oh my god, hold on. The feature set that they want to get done in the next year just sounded ridiculous enough all on its own, right? But mm-hmm. why did they have to add a core rulebook? Is this like... I mean, the, one of the things that I saw that was a major criticism of Path, Pathfinder Online is that it didn't represent Pathfinder at all. So what they're doing now is they're going to take a rulebook and tie it back to Pathfinder where they think they're going to make money somehow. Like, oh, this didn't make money as an MMO, so we're just going to take it, turn it into a rule set... And sell it to the people that actually give us money. <laughs> Jeez. Alright. The problem is you can't have like MMORPGs are complex. We all know this by now. You can't just slap a million dollars together and expect that's enough to make something like this substantial, you know. You want to make something for a million dollars, this is what you need to make on a smaller scale, you know. There are games like um Indie games like Life Forge on Steam are coming out soon. Like this, you can do this. This is conceivable. You can't do all this great stuff unless you have a massive, massive budget. You know, this is why I don't like seeing all these Kickstarter games promising the world with most of the time no experience and no funding. You know, a million dollars isn't enough to make their vision. It was never enough to make their vision. Crazy that they even said they could which is why i get frustrated from kickstarters because it's always so misleading i don't i know these guys putting up the kickstarter pages don't believe what they're putting out nobody thinks a million dollars is enough to make the game that they wanted it's impossible 
to stick with stick with the you know pixel art, stick with the simpler scope, use engines, make it make it happen that way. You this is this is dead in water. When I first you know I think this news started like the, the whole Goblin Works Pathfinder Online was one of the first news articles we put on mmos.com because they were putting out press releases, and we, we kind of followed their saga throughout you know, and it just never happened, and it's not gonna happen. <laughs> I don't know what happened, right? I don't know what actually happened that they blew that much money without getting, like, anything done except the very base of the game. But it's just... that The whole thing is depressing, and this just puts, like, a really sad, like, cap on it. Because it's just... You want to go, oh, honey, you're not going to get it done in a year. It's but, not happening. But Matt, look, at the, look at the numbers, too. Let's say they had 50 people working for them, right? At, at $80,000 a year on average, because let's say they're programmers. Uh, not counting utilities, not counting rent, not counting the licenses they have to pay for software or anything, any other expense, right? Taxes, everything else. That's $4 million a year. And they raised $1 million. So they have enough yeah. for like 12 people to work one year. That's it, you know? That's that's yeah. nothing. You can't. That's not enough to make your game. Unless they're all working for free, which, spoilers, they're not going to work for free. The $1 million is a lot of money, you know, to us, but it's not enough if you want to get a team together and make a game. You know, different scales. Yeah, I think one of the Where biggest is, yeah. one of the biggest problems yeah. with like uh, uh, Kickstarter and MRPGs is like MRPGs are fun. They're everyone wants to like think about making one, but they're the hardest games to make. So if you're a new studio, you're doing a Kickstarter. Start with something simple, make a you know one one player game first, and then you know build up from there. Don't start with the hardest possible project. I think with design perspective, you know, obviously, you know more about this too. Like, you, it, it, is it just stupid to try making so comp something so complex if you're new to design? Why not make a card game or like something, right? Isn't yeah, that I easier? Agree. And you still polish your design skills that way. And that's what design is. You got to make something fun, do it on a small scale with two people before you even approach something so complex as an MMO. Yep, uh, MMOs are just like they're probably one of the most complex things you can make, honestly. Yeah. And Can't these guys usually sure. never did anything. Well, I mean, I hope I hope it works out. I mean, I, I want to see it. I like Pathfinder, but stick the pen and paper. Sure, you're not gonna, you're not gonna like what they probably what they end up doing with. Uh, <laughs> wow, you guys are really the... trashing this game right here. No, it's just another example. Of a... it's just, yeah, it's fair. You, you say you're gonna make most of the game in a year with two people when the past few, the past actual year of development that they had was not. Like with they funding. didn't get anywhere near that. Yeah. Another thing is to um, even for experienced companies, you have to understand that the estimate is always going to be you're going to overshoot mm -hmm. that by a lot. You know, mm -hmm. even even like you know Nintendo when they're making Zelda, they overshot it by like a year and a half, right? Didn't Zelda game cost like a hundred million dollars to make something crazy? Because they say they had to sell so many millions of copies to break even. Wow. So, you know, game development is not cheap. They had, to stay, they had to sell 2 million copies to break even for Breath of the Wild. Obviously, not a fair MO comparison, but shows you the budget for high production value games and big games. And you have these people at Chronicles of Illyria telling us they can make this grand vision for, like, no amount of money, a couple million dollars. And it's not possible. I mean, I hope it happens, but what they're promising is impossible with the funding that they get, unless they get, like, exponentially more funding elsewhere. Nuts. Uh, speaking of funding, uh, one of our favorite South Korean studios uh, is going public soon. Uh, <laughs> Netmarble. Uh, what do they make? Whoa. What do they make? They make we some... learned how much they're worth, too. And yeah. Holy shit. So let's, let's get some comparisons out. 
So I'm just going to put it out there and then uh, Erhan can do the comparison thing, right? So Netmarble, which is like almost an exclusively mobile company, if not exclusively mobile, and a lot of their games are still Korea exclusive right now. Um, Mm -hmm. They are currently worth approximately, I would say, around $9 billion because if they get their $2.4 billion that they're aiming to get via their IPO, they will be valued at approximately $11.6 billion. Uh, that's a good chunk of change. And that I, is a lot of money. To put it in perspective, uh, that is higher than the enterprise value of Nintendo. So what that means is Nintendo is worth more today, but Nintendo is sitting on cash from like their Wii days and stuff. They have a lot of cash on their books. So if you don't count the cash, because uh, it's just a business of Nintendo, the brands, the games, whatever, Netmarble will be bigger than that. And everyone's heard of Nintendo. Not everyone has heard of Netmarble. It, it would be the second largest IPO, second only to that of Samsung Life Insurance Company, if they succeed. In South in Korea. South Korea. Yeah. In South yeah, Korea. And that's what I mean. Alibaba is still supreme. I did not mean to cut yeah. that off. Sorry. Don't, don't diss Alibaba. <laughs> Dude, I love Alibaba. I bought a bunch of stuff from it recently. Keep Chinese goods? I got pajamas. I got cosplay pajamas and uh but it's super cheap on there too oh i got my my bed sheets from alibaba oh nice i mean i don't know about you guys but i think net marvel's headed up from here i mean they're still looking to launch lineage revolution and or lineage 2 revolution in china and when that happens they'll probably make a shit ton of money so i mean this is the time to invest i think if you're going yeah, to. they did star wars force arena in the west they're <laughs> big on marvel future fight these are mobile games that are kicking ass. You know who's crying right now? Yeah. Nexon. The whole uh, Netmarble and NCSoft partnership where Netmarble makes these uh, mobile games using NCSoft's IP, mm-hmm. it was a result of a takeover bid by Nexon for NCSoft. NCSoft didn't want Nexon to buy them, but Nexon kept buying up shares, right? So to stop the mm-hmm. hostile takeover, uh, Netmarble and NCSoft did a share swap. So they bought each other's shares. Which makes it harder for NC, uh, for Nexon to uh, buy out NCSoft. So because of that partnership, uh, I, I think both sides are making bank now. While Nexon's in the corner crying. <laughs> These yeah, mobile but... games of the future, Netmarble, possibly a good investment if you have uh, inklings of South Korean finance. Though it's not very accessible for you know us in the West. But I mean, of course, it's also still going to be based on South Korea or not. China's ban of South Korean games right now. I mean, because they can't launch Lineage 2 Revolution there right now because they never got a license. So their success is going to depend highly on what happens with that. Yeah. Uh, We're in the business. One more thing I want to talk about finance. This actually blew my mind. I, I, I saw it first on MMOs.com. I haven't put it up. Uh, Roblox actually raised a lot of money. Uh, Roblox is actually an MMO. Uh, we covered it on the site a while ago. But it, they raised $92 million. And I never knew Roblox was this big. I knew they were on multi-platform, which is big. And I knew a lot of kids played it. But I had no idea that Roblox has 32 million monthly active users. That's what? enormous. Is, 30. Ah! Go ahead. It, okay, so yeah, Roblox is at 32 million uh, active users with another 16 million unregistered users per month. Because you don't have to make an account to play. Uh, when I play this game for screenshots for the um, site, I use a guest account. So I wouldn't count 
when I played for those 32 monthly, 32 million active users. Oh, wow. So 32 That's million. That's one in 10 for the United States. So th well, it's global though. But yeah, it's 32 million yeah. registered, 16 million unregistered. That compares to 55 million for Minecraft monthly users. Uh, so it's, if you add those two, it's actually, you know, almost as big as Minecraft. Uh, so what this means is uh, after Minecraft got sold to Microsoft for 2.5 billion USD, a lot of investment companies, venture capital in Silicon Valley, they got really interested in Roblox because, you know, they thought, hey, maybe I can flip this Roblox game to somebody. So two of the big big boy uh, venture funds, Meritech Capital and uh, Index Ventures, uh, took a big old stake in Roblox and they gave them $92 million. And think about this too, give you some context how big the game is. Uh, Dota 2, which is the second biggest game on Steam after CSGO, it's number one sometimes, gets about 12.6 million unique players in the last month. This game has over 32 million monthly active just registered, another 10 million or so from unregistered. And we're talking multiples bigger than Dota 2. Uh, Roblox is big business. And the whole, you know, people make their own games within Roblox, the whole creative element, I think, is obviously driving that. And that's obviously so true, the popularity of Minecraft as well. But Roblox could, you know, conceivably be bigger than Minecraft one day, especially the way it's been growing. And it's a game I never really got into because, again, it's kind of aimed at a younger audience. And this was not really around when I was younger. Pretty crazy. So the way the games work is, or the way, the, I guess, the main concept works is, you know, for those of you watching, think Warcraft 3 custom games or, or Starcraft yeah. custom games. Uh, players have to pay a monthly, well, the creator's got to pay a monthly fee to Roblox. And that gives them his access to the mod tools. So they make their own games. So there's like shoot survival games, you know, weird social games, racing games. You can make your own game. And it's, when people log into the website or the app, they see a list, right, of all the different games. Um, and you can join that world um, and do whatever. I, maybe it's a little like Second Life, too. Uh, you jump in people's worlds. You do, you know, yeah. and, and all the money you spent in that world, the creator gets a cut. So there are people out there, you know, 13 years old, getting checks every month. From uh, Roblox, oh, I think that's crazy. Some people. So getting... it's, it's pretty much like Second Life then. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Second Life for kids. But what's crazy? They actually made. They're making. They're much bigger than Second Life yeah. because I guess they must have made their mod tools easier to use and the game more accessible. Like, forget the like the mod tools wise. A game like Second Life is inaccessible. You launch that game for the first time, you try walking around, you want to kill yourself. Like, you can't put out. No, you, like I challenge you to log on to Second Life. And, I did, and I, I struggled. And just like okay. getting I, I free loot from vending machines and putting it on is literally a chore. It's, it's so stupidly unintuitive. Crazy. It's, I could not have designed a worse system than Second Life if I tried. I got to say, it though. It took me... Yeah, I, I got to say, the Roblox one is not, is not great either. It's a, very, it's, a, it's a very old game, Roblox. Mm -hmm. When I played, the interface was... I think it was functional. I didn't have a problem doing what I had to do, <laughs> but it was, it was, it was dated. So... Uh, but Minecraft later too. I think I guess people don't mind these graphics, you know. But Minecraft's probably more intuitive to use as well than Roblox. It's an easy, you know, it's very straightforward. Well, it's, it's newer, so I hope it, you know it's a little easier to use. I think Roblox still, yeah. If you look at Roblox's, uh, you know, traffic growth, it, it's still growing. So even though it's old, they've grown quite a bit in the last uh, six months, according to uh, Alexa, from the 600th most popular website in the world up to 195. They're booming. So kids are playing Roblox left and right. Well, you, you have to remember, kids don't care as much about the graphics as we do. Yeah, I mean, fair. it just has to appeal to them. But the concept of player-created content in an MMORPG, I think, is genius. And I think it's still an area that's unexplored. Like, 
The next big thing in MMORPGs that will really catch on is a is a MMORPG that utilizes and leverages player created content in a in a smart, intuitive way. I think Neverwinter was onto something with their with their adventures that people created, but they kind of like half-assed and didn't really double down on it. If a game has that at its priority and makes the, the toolkits easy to use and makes user experience good, that will be the next big thing in MMORPGs, in my opinion. Roblox proves it on a on, on their scale, for, you know, for the kind of game that is. And there's there's been engines and stuff. I think there's a new one coming out on Steam. If it's not already out yet, we have a news article about it. But an MMORPG that does that, I would wager that's going to be the next giant thing in industry. Because players can make better content. Like this applies to my experience with StarCraft and Warcraft Three. Some of them, Warcraft Three, some of the world's best games came out of a custom map for Warcraft Three. Like Dota came out of a Warcraft Three custom map. Some of the most popular tower defense games came out of Warcraft Three. StarCraft as one as well had you know, these maps as well too. But the entire genre of a MOBA came from StarCraft's map maker. Aeon of Strife, which is what MOBAs are, came from StarCraft One. Pl- give players the tools to make some cool stuff. And use the wisdom of the crowds, literally millions of people tinkering, effing around, and they'll make millions of crappy games. But some of the cool shit that comes out of that will be huge. Um, and t- that's that's the way I, I mean, it, it really is like a shotgun blast, though. Like, there's, yeah. there's going to be like a lot of shit, you know, as well. So it's. Isn't that it's, what the current game development world is? Look, all these I games mean, that it, come out, most of That is kind of true. But I, I think that the big thing to really consider here is, is, is just taking. Um, the burden off of the developer right mm-hmm. yeah it's like, it's like you get free money it's like why not you know like you don't have to worry about it it's the Wikipedia getting free, model. free money yeah and nobody knows what players want it's the players tastes are always changing and it's impossible to predict make tools right because that way if you make tools for people to make their own games within your game it your development is never wasted you know you could add a new dungeon to your game and spend all this effort and millions of dollars adding all this new content but if it, people might not like it right but if you make new tools, like you only make it easy for other players to make their own content. Like your effort isn't wasted this way. And the current game landscape is a shotgun approach. You have all these games launching, and like one percent of them capture the whole market anyway. The current approach is shotgun anyway. So let the let the people taking the risks be players of their own time, rather than the developer trying to make all this shit, and then most of it will never stick anyway. <laughs> okay, but the other risk is that development developing tools that players can use is expensive. And your the success of your game will be highly dependent on whether or not other people want to put time into you, your game. Matt, developing a game is expensive too, and most likely no one's going to play your game anyway. Let's be real. Nine, nine, nine out of like hundred, yeah, nine games out of ten don't, don't go anywhere. Don't want to shoulder the risk on whether or not people create content for your game. That's a really, really, really. But big so risk. is making a game. You can make you can make a game and nobody yeah, so plays. If it's already a risk, why make it even more of a risk? And then you, you you can use your own engine to make some nonsense games to start the game off too. You know you could have some 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 you know developer made games within the engine as well as kind of examples on how to make games. Uh, some other examples on you know Yomar mentioned MOBAs, but uh, almost all the big big budget games or big title games today originated from mods. Uh, number one or two on the list of Steam is Counter Strike uh, Global Offensive. Counter Strike started as a mod for Half Life. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole, those whole, you know, King of the Kill survival games uh, were mods for Arma. Both two genres came out of Arma. Um, so it's, uh, it's something that's been going on for a long time and it'll keep happening. Do you, do, you, do, you guys disagree, do you guys disagree with my statement earlier that I think the next big thing to happen in MMOs and online games is going to be some kind of game or an engine creator like in, Roblox, but for, for PC I really games. I really highly disagree. That will not happen in I mean, like, I... 
I I bought I bought Arma and I've never even played Arma. <laughs> <laughs> well, what are you saying? It's gonna imagine a Warcraft four or three yes. whatever, right? But there's no campaign. You just launch it as a lobby of games people make. That yes. could happen. Yeah. But for I'm MMORPG saying. like Neverwinter, forget about it. Zero chance. No, I think no, I think they can leverage player content that you way you too. You can't give people an MMORPG and tell them you have to make the content like yeah. here's an empty slate make the content Look, no. that's, yeah. that's not that's not entirely what i mean you could build a basic world and you can have like the what, yeah but nobody's going to be invested enough to make any content oh. if all you have is a basic world that's not worth we can show who's time. right very easily we just got to wait for uh legends of aria to come out right no the game that's well, true they're, they're trying to do they're doing exactly what you're saying like, what you, vaguely yeah th they have a they example, have their own example. they have yes, their game example. world and you can make your own little uh, yeah. shards. The, con the example content is there, yes. And I'm yeah. not saying every game that tries will succeed. I think if done right, the potential here is bigger than anything else. Okay, Omer, name one thing that modding has brought about other than Daisy. Counter-Strike. Dota. No, that's over 10 years. No, last no, a new thing in the R past 10 years. Besides Arma? Because Arma gave us two. Survival. Arma gave us two. No, you no. have... Uh, there's a new tower defense game coming on Steam that's coming off uh, uh, StarCraft that's 2 not new. custom map. That's, that's not Warcraft new. Warcraft 3. The, the game is new. The game is new. No, I'm well, saying yeah. name a new genre that has spawned based on mods. Mods have uh, largely not done what you're saying in years. Mods have had more impact on the gaming community than probably anything else. I, I, I don't think we're saying it's fair there, Matt. I agree with you. It won't work for MRPGs, but... Uh, Armor gave us two entire new genres, and by the way, these are big genres. If you look at Steam, H1Z1, King of the Kill, you know Rust. Yeah. These are both products of Not modding. Rust, but yeah. No Rust. Rust. And, and, Rust was inspired by uh, DayZ, the mod for Armor Two. Yes. Okay, yeah, that, yeah that, that's one hundred percent fair. Yeah. And Ark is inspired by yeah. both, and yeah. every other survival game is inspired by those. So. So, survival game, the whole survival game genre. Basically, Matt said, give, give me a new genre in the past 10 years besides two, the two biggest new ones. <laughs> no, I said besides the one, besides DayZ, because I couldn't think of anything else but, but you, other than DayZ. The Battlegrounds. Play, uh, okay, play, that's yeah, fair. Yeah, okay. I mean, have there, yeah. have there been any new games that have uh, been popular that have mods? Mm, that have the modding capability, rather? Yeah, there have been plenty, but the thing is, they're fully featured games. Like, they, they don't like replace any part of it with the mods. They just added modding con capabilities. Uh, Omer is basically saying, don't make new content, make modding. But that, that's Warcraft the 3. problem. Warcraft 3 had a storyline, it had the whole full, complete experience, if you want to call it, right? But the amount of time you spend on a game like Warcraft 3's single player is what, like five hours? And the amount of time you spend on the modding in the game is like a thousand hours. And I think most people had that experience with Warcraft 3. But yeah, you could have some basic stuff there. Unmodded. Yes, there, there is a multiplayer unmodded, but I would argue more time, a lot more time was spent playing uh, non-regular Warcraft three than versus Dota and all the custom games that grew around there. I mean, Dota alone is how many God knows how many millions of hours. Well, one of the things that you could use as a test for what you're saying is uh, StarCraft two, right? They opened up their uh, ability to make custom games. And um, I gotta say, we're the only people I know that actually took advantage of it. I, uh, it, it just, I think they even the made kind of... like they even changed the genre of the game. Like we played that kind of MMORPG style StarCraft, mm -hmm. and that was really cool. Um, and they were all, I and mean, we played a couple of custom games. I think a long time ago, I and they're all pretty neat. Um, but it just doesn't have the same appeal. And I think that comes down to you have this. You know, we've talked about this a lot. There's just the, the genre. 
the game li the gaming library is is just enormous and back when we were playing uh warcraft 3 mods you know all we didn't have as many games um so i think that kind of detracted from the appeal of making starcraft 2 mods so we didn't we didn't stick with it i don't know anyone else who's gone for it uh, also, you, you didn't have Maybe the same caliber chat. of uh, custom games. I think if you log on Battle.net today, you'll still find custom games being played on Warcraft 3. I, 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 think I imagine a lot of complained that it was, it was as intuitive to make maps on there. Again, I never made maps on okay, either. Okay, that might be fair. I can't, you know, I can't make that That might position. be fair. I didn't see a DBZ mod, so I was there you go. disappointed. You know, uh, That was my favorite one. Hmm. Well, uh, as far I, as I, other stuff... Go ahead. I also wanted to, real quick, Rootkit5 made a good point that the genres that came out of Arma are much larger than Arma itself, so that doesn't really... But what does that say? Sort of. It doesn't really show any sort of, like, value for the original developer to have done that. Yeah. Well, but that's different, though. Then that's that's just a matter of where are you placing your value. In terms of the, the gaming library as a whole, there's a whole lot of value. For an individual developer, and this goes back to my criticisms of what Airhound was saying before, yeah, no, they didn't benefit. Of course no, not. People, but... people bought, wait, how, people wait, buy... how, did they, how did they not benefit? I, like they I said, I bought Arma, I bought is, Arma 2 and I bought Arma 3. I bought both of them, and I never What I mean Arma. is, what I okay, let's yeah. be very clear. When I said that, what I'm saying is they don't benefit from the totality of the genre that's created. Yes. They benefit from the people that just bought it to play DayZ, et cetera, et cetera. But in terms of the genre that was spawned off of it, there's a whole lot more money that they don't see in their pockets. That's all I meant by it. I didn't mean that's, that they didn't benefit That's not a fair thing, though, because a, a rising yeah. ship, a rising, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats. That company can go on to make a game of that new genre. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that's I mean, fine. I mean, they yeah. can hire, they can hire the yeah. people. Yeah, that yeah look how that worked out for me. Bohemia. They still haven't finished DayZ. Okay, well, well, they failed. They, it's up to them. Suckers. They're showing incompetence. What do you want? It happens, you know. To, to reel it back well, into MMORPGs for a second, can can private servers be thought of as mods? Because I remember when I was taking a leak over there, I thought of my Ragnarok Online days. Um, every server offered had to advertise its you know rates, its custom events. Um, different experiences, yeah, different custom shit, yeah. In Ultima Online, no, in Ultima Online, some. Are... Oh, so now you want to talk about the definition of mods? No, no, but in Ultima Online, the private servers have totally different maps. Sometimes the world is different. Oh, they're much better, yeah. So, um, that, I think that counts as mods if you change the map, change the rules, you know. My my point is the games that let you play with that kind of content, and I would count that as uh, some kind of modding tools. In my example of what I think the next big genre, big game is going to be in MMORPGs. Any kind of custom servers or other rule sets or different assets players can put into their version of the game. That I, I would count that. So, and given how big private servers are, I mean, they're all like, I wish we knew like just the scope of how big private servers were, so we can look at like the active player base on private servers versus official servers across the genre. I think the numbers could be staggering. You know, like I wouldn't be surprised if the, the private server community has like as many people as the official servers. Like, I want to point out be, that would uh, blow my mind if that was true. I'm just, I don't know if it is. So I was recently looking into Ragnarok Online, right? Uh, and one of the private servers I used to play a decade ago is still around, Talon wow. RO. And they currently have 1,300 players, mm -hmm. uh, which is, I mean, that's that's huge for a private server. I mean, that's killing. That's huge for Steam. I beat so many games that's on Steam. For Steam. So, yeah, exactly. Yo, Tales it would be really Pirates. cool if we had all that data. 1,000 players could current in one of their private servers. Tales of Pirates. Pirate King Online has 1,000 players on a private server concurrent. So, like, it's crazy. I mean, if you add up all these private servers for all every single game, I really wish there was a study on how many people play on private servers. Let's commission. Maybe, maybe we'll Let's do it. it. Let's do it, boys. Yeah, we're going to conduct the most.com. I'm glad YouTube decided to volunteer for this. 
So I'm going to reach to my ass and pull out a number that feels right, and then I'm going to go with it, all right? That's how, like, that's how modern market. science is done, yeah. This MOS.com science at its finest, all right? Well, we have plenty of fun news to talk about. Uh, my favorite it? part. Oh, here's is this here's your favorite part? Go ahead, go ahead. No, I said, is it my favorite part? No shitty Kickstarter this week, Shio. Oh, no, no. Uh, but no, I have a second favorite part, Shio. Uh, oh, yeah? The close beta for Moonlight Blade is beginning in Korea soon, and that's the lolly version. This is the... Oh, the, yeah. Look at the picture. Look at the video. Look at the lolly in there. All they're right, they're adding lollies exclusively for the Koreans. Normally, when you think of people I obsessed with lollies, you think Japan. Right? You don't think Korea, which is odd, right? Maybe Korea is learning from Japan. Can't, maybe I should play this game. Yeah, we'll play, Look we'll at I'll the lollies holding hands and, like, so cute. Oh, yeah, this is uh, the first abuse. international release of the game. It's going to happen on uh, March 29th. Hopefully, the American version follows eventually afterwards. We just know they did mention they want to do an American an English release as well. But I imagine you know, if this goes well, it's going to kind of speed that up, hopefully. But it's showing progress on international release. And this game is ginormous in China. One of the most played MMORPGs in China. I think it was on their top 10. I want to play it. Like 11. I think Moonlight Blade, uh, I would really like to play a Western version of the game without the hassle of trying to install mm -hmm. it, etc. I'd really? love to know what the story is. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, really? I, I don't, I, I, can, I can tell you what the story is right now, Matt, watch. Uh, you're, you play a, a villager or some type of new martial arts uh, novice, and you're going to go on a journey, and you're going to go vanquish evil from the land, and it's some badass martial artist who... Who stole a piece of candy one time, and that's the whole game wow. done. And you're gonna Excellent. you're gonna kill thousands of mobs to get to him. And of course, you'll get strong incrementally along the way. Incrementally, yeah. Insert random also, conflicts in between. Also, I want this game for, so uh, bad. Important thing, right? So for those of you who have played the Chinese version and probably had 300 ping, basically. The Korean version is going to be much more playable for you. For whatever reason, games hosted in China just are not very playable from the U.S. or Europe. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, so you're probably going to be much better off if you play the Korean version. It'll probably be closer to 150 ping. It'll probably be a more stable connection. It probably won't have all sorts of, like, rubber banding and whatnot, so... Definitely keep an eye out for that. And, of course, we sell Nexon accounts, so you can get yourself ready by buying a Nexon account. Boom. I like it. Preempt it. Oh, Nexon's publishing it in Korea? Yep. Awesome. Look at that. Good. I have Nexon account. I can use it already. Guys, we have to cover uh, a quality, quality game. Another dead game is Oh, boy. Game. It's my favorite. Another one. It's, it's, it's just, I don't know. It's weird that so many of these old school games are launching on Steam now. Well, I, you please can't blame tell them. me about this game. What game are we talking about here, we're, and what is this game all about? We're talking about Legend of Ares. Like, it's not necessarily a bad game. Yes, it's a bad. I, I mean, in modern terms, yeah, it's probably pretty bad. I'm gonna rephrase this. Okay, it's not a great game. Right? It's not a great game. Because if I, if I say it's not a bad game, I'm implying it's a good game. If I say it's not a it's not a great game, you know, it will leave more room to the imagination. But I remember I played this back in 2007, 2006 when it first launched in, uh, in the West. Forgot what uh, publisher it launched on. It was like 
the novelty of a lot of these games back in 2007, 2006 was they were free to play, and that meant something, you know? Like, free to play wasn't big back then. So having a free to play game was like, dude, you gotta check this game out. Like, I don't wanna buy another game. No, no, it's free. The guy's like, holy shit, this game's free? There must be a catch, and they play it, right? Obviously, you, know, you can spend money in game, but it was fun because it was free, and it was like this Diablo Lite. This, it was kind of like a Diablo style game, and it, you know, some, some randomized items, and it, it wasn't bad, but it's, it's launching on Steam now if you want to play it again. I cannot imagine it's going to have a big player base. I mean, play Red Fox resurrected this game. I wish we beat them to the punch. I mean, I still want to resurrect one of these shitty old games, but Red Fox is grabbing all, all of them. It has so, a player base you know of I... like 30 people that still go and PK each other, right? Basically. There you go. It's 30 guys killing each other over and over, and over again. <laughs> Do you know how I know this game's not going to have any player base at all? Hmm. So a lot of these resurrected games, you go to the Steam discussions to see who's excited to play, you know, Nine Dragons or Granado Espada. You go to Legend of Ares discussion board. Wow, there's there's nothing there. <laughs> but there's not a single post. Are you guys like at all surprised that Nine Dragons even has 110 players online right now? It's not like it's not a yes. great number, but it's not bad. I think it must be players who are already playing and they just happen to have Steam. They thought, okay, I'm just going to launch through Steam. I can't imagine there's a whole bunch of new people trying Nine Dragons. All right, so moving on. Since <laughs> this is... I, I don't want to continue to talk about a game that's not going to have any players. Um, Actually, hold on. Hold on. Before, before, before we get there, i got to mention what's mind-blowing. I'm looking at a Nine Dragons private server right now, Okay. Can you guess how many players are on this random private server, which is the most disgusting website I've ever seen? 500. 9,000. I wish. 500 players online right now. 500. They have five times the Steam's official player base numbers. And I think for a lot of these old games that relaunch, it's not like, it's crazy to see they're going to have multiples of the official numbers. Because these games have already been gone for a while. Which is why, again, it goes back, I really want to know how many you know, people play on these private servers versus official servers on a lot of games. I wish we had the data. All right, Go so ahead. moving on. Uh, Blade and Soul, right? They had a major producer's letter that came out today. And first off, interesting note, over 4 million people have played the game since launch. Over 4 million people. Wow. So, I mean, it, it has a nice chunk of uh, players that have made an account, and I'm assuming made a character. It, the whole have joined the Hong Moon clan to pursue revenge thing sounds like they've made a character. But I, I found that to be interesting. And then they're also going to have a new expansion that's going to add Act 7 of the story, a new Goonwon City Zone, a new Hongmoon level cap of 20, and they've said that there's going to be a higher level cap later, which I have no idea what that means, if it means Hongmoon level cap or they're going to up the base level. I'm not sure. But here's what is probably uh, going to be the most interesting part of this. They are going to allow players to obtain insta-level 50 vouchers. With hmm. the release of this update, insta level fifty vouchers for everyone, like new players, old players, free to play players, everyone. I, or... I I think it's a paid item. Oh, okay. I'm not sure. They didn't specify, but it sounds like it's going to be a paid item. Okay. Oh, if it's to be paid. Oh. Uh that's what it sounds like. Mm -hmm. I mean, because like WildStar has the paid one, but they yeah. gave away free versions of it. Mm -hmm. I I mean, that's that's my guess based on the phrasing. And the fact that Wildstar had paid ones, and they're from the same company. That's a bigger, I bigger think it's trend. a good move. Yeah, why? Look, 
every game is doing it. They're letting you skip the content. And I think Blade and Soul especially has a bit more uh, like an appeal to people that want to PvP. Like the PvP is one of the is probably the biggest draw for a lot of people. Obviously not everyone, and obviously I'm speaking for you know my experience. And probably it's not fair to say the PvP is the biggest draw because I think most people don't participate in PvP in most MMORPGs. But the PvP in Blade and Soul is really unique. It, it feels more like a fighting game than a traditional MMORPG. Because the, the arena does balance out things, but if you're not max level, you don't have all the skills yet. So it doesn't, you even though it equalizes your stats, it doesn't give you the skills that you're missing. So for somebody that wants to jump into the game in just PvP, it's actually a pretty good buy for them. Though if they if they don't include the Hong Moon skills with it, it might kind of still kind of ruin it. But it's a shortcut to get to the PvP for the people that want to do that or skip the content. We've seen so many MRPGs do it, but the only positive extra thing here is that for the people that just want to play the PvP, like some guy might want to watch videos or sport esports tournaments for the game and see how cool the PvP is, but he just want to grind to get there. He's, well, maybe he's like, I just want to do the PvP. I don't do the other shit. And for that guy, it adds value. You know, it gives him a chance to get to the PvP. And no, the one fact thing that seen everybody do it. Go ahead. One thing that's really interesting about the PvP that I really liked in Blade and Soul is that even if you're the same level, and, and this is a thrill that you don't get from other MMOs that specifically because blade and soul is skill based um you can get jumped by like three people and if you're really good you can kill all of them and it, it's like an amazing feeling like like it's like the the type of moment where like you jump out of your chair and you like scream you know what i mean mm -hmm. something like that and, and that happened a lot in blade and soul where like you know you'd be like there by yourself and then like a group of like two or three people will jump you and then you'll just kill all of them if you like you know what you're doing and it's like it's always like it's like so tight like you you, you come out of it with like five percent HP and like everyone's dead. It's great. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think the biggest fault. Oh. I, I don't think I think very few MRPGs can capture that shoot because um the way most MRPG combat works now you just target them to use your abilities. Yeah, you could target you could use your abilities very slowly physically, but that's a, not really a, a delay most are gonna have you know where you can actually outplay opponents is a thing in Blade and Soul, and that's what makes the combat particularly fun. I've said it before. I think it's got the best combat of any more PG. And I, I agree. Oh, yeah. I don't think anyone can disagree. Anyone want to disagree with that? The best combat. People, again, just just specifically combat. Nothing else. You know, not the skill systems, not the, you know, the social elements. Everything else around it. Just I think the raw combat of being hands-on, skill-based, and rewarding. And and, and best isn't the, the way I perceive it to be fun. I don't think it's fair to say it's got the universally best because people. Targeting is still the biggest genre. I think, you know, for me, it's my favorite. I'm thinking. I don't want to, maybe using the word best here is incorrect. I, I've, I've continuously said that I had more fun with uh, Black Desert's combat. I, you can dodge in Black Desert, but you can't, like, you don't have all the different ways to parry and block and counter the exact same no, way. I like Blade and Soul quite a bit. I'll I had more fun with Black Desert. That's fair, yeah. I'll, stick, fun, I'll yeah. stick with Ultima Online. You, okay. you're a piece of but, shit. But anyways, <laughs> what I was going to say, I do think that the 50 level, or level 50 voucher is a good thing because I think the biggest fault that Blade and Soul has is that they created that gap between early level players and high level players because they equalize the arena, right? So your gear doesn't matter, but you don't have the skills. And I feel like they should have just given everyone all the skills for PvP exclusively because... You create an environment where it seems like you can take part in it and then tell the, the people that get in there that, like, hey, you're still underpowered, even mm -hmm. if it's just because you don't have the skills. And that's just obnoxious. Yeah. Like, to let you 
be on equal ground but not equal ground is just I I hated that. Is there maybe like a problem with like the the fairness of that? Because I feel like everyone's kind of okay with increased XP rates, right? And like they were always okay with that. There was never an issue. In Maple Story and whatever game paying for like two times three times XP boosts. You can kind of stack them if you get two of them from an event. Like there was nobody ever complained about that. But when you if you're okay with that in principle, I don't see a problem either with just getting the max level character. Buying the I, gear is I, different, right? Yeah. I don't see an issue with it. And I feel like the only people that see an issue with it are the people that are sitting there like, well I had to do it. Why should they not have to do it? And that's just stupid. That's not that's not productive either. I mean you No, know, that that's a really stupid uh way to look at it. It's also the way I look at it, you always pay someone to sit there and grind for you anyway. People do that anyway. There are power leveling services in all these games. And for the developers to kind of leave the money on the table and let the other one, let, let these companies take advantage, that just seems silly. Might as well have an official channel for it. You know, like even for players like me that have already gotten to Max Cap, it's mm -hmm. like, what if I want to play on like, you know, like a Nault. different. Nault. Yeah, like I, I want to, you know, I haven't played the game for a long time and I want to come back and like try something new, you know? And, and just other players in general, you benefit because other people will play the game that otherwise would not have if they can get get, get max levels. You know, it, it only enhances your experience by boosting the community. It, it's one of the situations of win-win. But the only people that you can't, the people still get upset because I feel like, as Matt said, they feel like I had to do it, so you should have to suffer through it as well. But that's that's not a win-win. That's a that's just a nobody wins that situation. Well, just this weird it's a, vindictive thing. No, that's not that's not the problem. If if your game is it progressed a while, right? Uh, yes. Where the original content is outdated, I get the point of uh, level boost, right? But yeah. I think Blade of Soul, at least the version we have in America so far, it's still pretty new, right? What one year? One yeah. One two less than less than two years, right? Yes, definitely less than two years. So at like some okay, years. at some point, <laughs> you know, basically you're, we kind of we kind of gone full circle. It was first it was pay to play. Then a free to play, now it's paid to not play. Like you, you, you. you That's true. Paid to not play. Paid to not play. Like what? What is this? Like, but the, it's there for the people that want it. It's not like everyone gets it for free. You know. Well, the oh shit, where was I? I was thinking something. It's for a ultimate PvP. Oh, oh, there. The other thing is that it's not just that the content's outdated. I mean, it may not even be that the content's outdated. Every game, the income of new players drops off at a different rate mm -hmm. and the developers have to decide at what point it's going to drop off so much that it's going to hurt the people coming in because they're not going to be able to do certain content and so they want them to skip to a point where they can do content mm -hmm. and we've seen those drop-off rates i mean it's, it's insane super data a nice little chart about that ages ago how quickly people drop off uh, from new games and how much they hop around i'm not even talking about that i'm just talking about when there aren't new players constantly coming in, the few new players that do come in are going to suffer for it. Mm -hmm. That's fair. Plus, so again, this helps alleviate that. And from a fair point, I, I just don't see a problem with unfairness scale. I, I, I still think buying the best gear in the game is, is unfair, and developers shouldn't do that, and typically don't do that for a good reason. But on a character level, skip the grind, go for it. If you want to pay for that, have at it. Last I checked, you could do that, though, in Blade and Soul. Pay for the best gear? Well, it was you could convert 
you could convert cash shop money to gold and, and then and get convert yeah, gold because the best gear was obtained through gold, I believe. Before, but in PvP, it was still balanced out through the arena, so the, the gear I mean, didn't yeah, really matter. Yeah, it didn't matter, but it was. It, I mean, for me, the open world matters just as much as the. In which case, yeah, I, I can imagine you being pissed off that the guy's got the best possible gear and has big advantages. I mean, I wasn't pissed off. No. <laughs> but it, it, yeah. it's just kind of, it, it dilutes the game, really, when, when you can use gold and, you know, it, it makes the grind a lot less interesting when gold is the the way you progress, right? Rather than it being raids. No, but, no I, again, that, that brings up the discussion of, uh, of bind on pickup versus uh, bind on equip. And I was firmly in the camp of bind on equip because I think in a lot of games, currency has almost zero value once you reach like high end and you have like gold is, is used like repairs and restocking like consumables and i don't like that i think currency in the game should always have value and always have stuff to buy and it gives you a reason to keep playing and getting the money in game too many games of you in order to get the content you have to do the dungeon yourself i i, I like buying that equip i think in a, I, I i think it's going about it in a different way like i, I think you, you should have both but like have it be cosmetic to bind on equip stuff be like a cosmetic upgrade rather than a like as in you could you could glamour or something like that you know so you don't think you should be able to trade the best gear in the game no i don't think so so but why not you should make the player have to go through the content to get it i mean yes <laughs> but well, then why should why should traders be able to trade any, why should be able to craft a weapon and trade to somebody they should have to be crafted well, themselves and make it for themselves too is well, the principle this is, the same this is a, this is a big big debate i don't want to get into it right, maybe a later I have, a, I have an interesting perspective on the whole max level right, coupon right. thing this is one of the problems with level based progression okay where even if you're if let's say you have a level max level character in blade and soul right you don't want to make yeah. a new character because you got to you know grind all those levels again it's gonna take a long time yes. but what if the the grind in a mrpg uh was knowledge based rather than like time based so what i mean by this is um for those of you who played like Omar, you, Ultima Online, if you made a new character today, you could get that character to a serviceable level in what a week max, like of casual play. But but there's still that problem of a week versus you know a couple of days. Okay. Why even have that? Okay, okay. What about Path of Exile? For example, there are people who speedrun a brand new character without without twinking it with other equipment, right? Okay. They can beat the game, get to like level, you know, what I did. It took me basically two weeks to get to a point where someone who's knowledgeable can make a new character with fre no, uh, you know, boosted gear. And, and beat the whole thing in six hours, seven hours. I, I actually gave myself equipment for my other character to, for this one, and it still took me days. But someone who, knew, who knows what they're doing can do it in six hours. Why have that six hours then, if that's your whole point? And now you, you want to minimize the amount of like brainless uh, effort. You know, I, I, there's a problem there, but your, your solution kind of minimizes the, to a bit. But the pro it doesn't eliminate the problem. No, because it's not the same. I, uh, for example, if I'm, making a, if, I'm, if I'm a mage, I make a warrior, uh, I want to learn to play that warrior and i have to at least experience a little bit of gameplay six hours is not too much to go from one to max and to, so i figure out my class and my ability as i level what about what about when you reach what if, what if you have a max level character in a game you can just type in slash level okay. the way dark is well dark is camera did it to level 20 but you yeah. type in slash level and you get another max level. it goes back up like let's say max level but 50 brings you to 45. you won't know how to use that character you don't have to. You don't have to use that option if you don't want. If you don't want to, you want to learn the game slowly. Feel free. You want to get get to level forty five instantly. You can do that. You can learn from there as well. It's your option. You want to level up slowly, but nobody's gonna take that. Up. They're all gonna do level forty five. They can. Uh, at that point, you have a bad game. Then if it's if if if, if people don't want to replay no, no, any part not, of it, it's a bad game. 
No, if you you know what wants to replay the grind. Yes, they do. Adults. I don't think. Yes, no, they, they do. Nobody's yes, looking forward to replay grind. I, I I mean, when I play Ultimate Online, I never even macroed. I would just I would just get to max uh, the max Whatever. skill. I, you are the only one. No. Congrats. No, there are no. many people who make alts in Path of Exile. There are many people who make alts in you know every game. They, they love running through the content nonstop, speed grind six hours. No, they're doing it to get to the no. point where they want to get to the no. start playing. No, 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 no. Your teeth. No, they don't want to get to max level. I, I, some of it is repetitive. For example, WoW or yes. uh, they want to experience. The content, the latest content with their alt. Okay, G Gumby, I'm gonna ask you a question. All right, uh -huh. you playing, you playing, you playing vanilla WoW, okay? Uh huh. You have a, you have a, you have a, level, you have a max level warrior, and you really want to play a, a hunter. Do you want to grind from one to sixty? One, one to max level? Let's again? say, let's say it takes six hours max. Okay, let's say it takes six, six hours. Well, I was getting asked the question. Okay. Yeah, Gumby, do you want to level up? Do, would you want to do it again? Six hours? Yeah, no problem. Yeah. Or if you type in like uh, slash level, you get the max level. Instantly. If it's if it's vanilla, um, uh, I'd rather level. All right. But, uh, I think it's give, a, give look. It depends. It depends. Are these? Is it a shitty leveling experience? Exactly. Or is it That's what matters. An enjoyable leveling it's experience. Never, it's not, it's you're never. It's never going to be enjoyable. Yes, it Do is. It again. The Bullshit. first time. Bullshit. The first time. Bullshit. All right. Here, I got an example. I got an anecdote. I got an anecdote. I like anecdote. I love it. I have a friend who's out of his mind. I think he's already a max level warlock in vanilla, and now he's leveling a priest. Never leveled a priest before, and he's loving it. So, yeah, if you like the leveling. You're going to like doing the same thing again for a character, another character. If you didn't like the leveling to begin with, and I think some people don't, then yeah, you will max level right away. I personally, my favorite part of any game, and the part I typically judge games the most on, is the leveling, mm -hmm. which is why I have Me a big too. issue with, with endgame stuff. No, that's not true. No, it depends. It's 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 that's a problem, right? You're you. I, I understand okay. why you're trying to generalize, right? I totally get it, but I don't think it works because the experiences are so disparate between games, like. Some game, I would pay money to never do the Revelation Online 1 through 35 quests ever again. Like, there is something I don't want to do. You know, start me off after that with tutorial quests. But in another game, like even Bless, I don't think I would mind making a new character each time and doing the same thing. Especially if there's different zones and you have different progression paths, etc., etc. So, depends on the game. If you don't if you don't like leveling in a game, right? And remember, leveling is ninety five percent of a game for for the general. only the first time I enjoy it, leveling. No, it's a thing that I, it's when you do the uh, second you, though. Okay. time is when it bothers me. But that means it's not good. I think most. I, I thought most people thought that way. I could be wrong. Oh, okay. I, 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 I have I have a sixty. You will let us know. I have a sixty eight level sixty eight character on Path of Exile. Okay. okay, I made a new character. I I I love leveling. All right. I love. It's a great experience. <laughs> me too. Me too. I love leveling. That's All there's right. an article title. Yeah. I love leveling. I love the grind. All right, so there, there's something else I wanted to get to before we uh, end this, right? Mm -hmm. So, you guys may have seen the Master X Master announcement today, which yeah. basically there's going to be a three week closed beta in April, right? So, alongside that announcement, they announced that City of Heroes, the statesman character, the iconic statesman character, will be coming to Master X Master as a playable hero. <laughs> well, this announcement went over about as well as I thought it would. Okay, so here's here's a Reddit post, and I'm going to read this out loud. They linked to the video, and they said, Screw you, NCSoft. You should not be reminding me of what you did to City of Heroes. Kiss my ass. Yeah. So this went over about as well as I thought it was hilarious. going to. So this, <laughs> is, a hilarious, this, is, a, yeah, this is a hilarious studio. But, yeah. but, but wait. Okay, so 
This is the statement that they provided alongside the announcement. We decided to include statesmen to recognize the fans' love and as a tribute to the franchise. City of Heroes being a part of our heritage was a perfect fit with how we have incorporated characters from several NCSoft titles in Master X Master. But wait, this sounds like we know you guys missed the game. So fuck you. Here's the thing that we're going to try to make money off of. Please try to enjoy it. <laughs> for the, for some background, guys, um, uh, City of Heroes was an NCSoft uh, developed and published game. Um, it was still profitable when they decided to pull the plug and shut it down. So it started, it was dwindling, obviously, but it had an active player base. It was profitable. It was bringing money. <laughs> they said, you know what? F it. And they pulled the plug. So that, that's the context. And to, and to recap, like, how dedicated the fan base is, well, first off, um, the original developers are in Cryptic Studios, and or were, and they tried to make a successor Champions Online, which did not work out. But since then, we have had, what, I think, four different independent development teams try to make ah, City of Heroes successors. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the, the love for that game is strong. It is really, really strong. Very and they're loyal just going to come out here and say, like, they're acknowledging that it exists. They're acknowledging that fans loved it, but they're not going to bring it back in any way, shape, or form. It's just a hero. It's just a cameo. They probably shouldn't have even done this, honestly. Don't even mention, don't even, don't even add that hero to it. It's gonna bring out distaste again. Ah. I just, I thought it was so funny because, like, immediately when I saw it, I'm like, "Oh, City of Heroes fans are gonna be pissed." Mm -hmm. And the first thing I read on Reddit was City of Heroes fans that were pissed. <laughs> I mean, on a more positive note, I actually think Master X Master's core MOBA combat is actually really good and and actually different. It just takes the try and true formula, but gives you like a tag team mechanic. Have, have you have you played this game yet or heard about it? Um, I've, heard, I've heard about it, but I haven't, I haven't actually. Like, imagine just League or Dota, and you can literally tag team where you could switch out heroes. And I know about that. Are, it's, it, that's such a cool mechanic, and it actually works. I did it first. It adds like a lot. Yeah, oh, tactics, strategy, everything. It's so cool. It adds a lot of combos and stuff that you wouldn't yeah. you wouldn't have in other mobas. It really adds a lot of. Yeah. Um, I, I'm a big fan of being able to like customize your character, so that adds a lot of customization because <laughs> you can you know mix it up to suit your own playstyle versus being kind of static. That's like one of the major problems I have with mobas nowadays is that a lot of it is becoming static. Like before, like I, I don't know if you remember, like like in League of Legends in the early days, you could play like whatever the hell you wanted really, and you could like. You know, you could play, like, you know how I used to play, like, Leona, right? With, like, full AD. And it used to be really good, but now it's not. You can so. still manage, but, yeah, it's uh, been, meta has it been It was a lot better, but but it's, it, it's kind, they're kind of reinforcing the you play this character in this way type of a thing. Mm -hmm. Whereas this uh, Master X Master is, is kind of, like, going away from that, letting you kind of mix and match uh, your playstyle, which is it's great. I'm a big fan of that. The core element is awesome, but it's just so weird that it's diluted with the MMORPG. Because, like, on top of the MOBA, there's an MMORPG built into it. Like, uh, you can cure for these dungeons with other players. It's just weird. Like, all That's the stuff weird. they have outside the MOBA elements are just weird. And they feel like, if you had two separate games, it makes sense. But to put it in the same game is is very odd. Because I, I love the core it, gameplay. Yeah, it, it, has the same, it has the same problem that Blade and Soul has. You're forced to do the PvE to really experience the PvP properly. 
but much more so because at least like I, I felt like there was at least some connection to like growing your character and stuff. But it, it just uh, yeah, you're right to a degree as well to to put a MOBA in that category. Like a MOBA meets MMORPG is so weird. It just unbelievably odd that these two games are they feel so different you're killing <laughs> you're killing mobs in a dungeon on the same heroes you would play in a in a moba so you're playing like ash and like you're killing minions and going through bosses it's just, it's just i i don't know I, I, the game has a weird identity crisis if you just kind of like yeah go ahead it's a lot like a mobile game yeah where you have stage based story mode and then you have the pvp which is heavily dependent on the stage-based story mode the only problem is they've marketed it as a moba so people are seeing it more as a moba than like pc version of one of these mobile games very weird i think for it needs to be a very weird shock and weird like people can raise their eyebrows like what are they trying to do here because like, at least because it is a pc game you know maybe it was a mobile game that maybe they wouldn't raise them any eyebrows All right. Well, that is it for this week. Uh, if you guys, it was a long. It was a long one. It was a long one. See, this is what happens. I don't you care. guys never talked about League of Legends here. Uh... No, I guess yeah, that, that was we'll, we'll bring it to overtime. Don't yeah, worry, we're that, here for overtime. That's more overtime oh, worth anyway. It's more. It's more All nonsense. Right. You're All nonsense. Right. All right. All right. Stick Later around for more. We have some Take fun care. Overtime. Peace. Peace. See ya. Bye bye.